Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello and Happy New Year, folks. It's January 1st, 2023. I have it memorized. And I'm Sue Rose Minahan, founder of Talk Cosmos. And this year, Talk Cosmos starts its sixth season of insightful conversations, awakening consciousness to empower soul growth. Because the planets, well, they're not the planets, the planets, yes, but our panels, they focus on meaningfulness. And if please remember to subscribe and you'll connect with Talk Cosmos on any platform you choose. There's a podcast or watch it on the YouTube channel, Facebook page, and the radio station 1150 KKNW there in the mighty Pacific Northwest. Today's panel, which is Planet Buzz, the subject is 2023 Dynamic Threshold with an S on the end. And we ponder a multitude of cosmic energies that are occurring as we speak in these processing changes. Ultimately, and even by the by side, if that's correct English, we are experiencing cultural dynamics. And when you're in the threshold of it, one doesn't always know that experience, yet it's what we ponder in. 2023 Planet Buzz is scheduled on the first Sunday of every month and with a guest. And today brings a super guest, Rick Levine, who I will introduce. But first, now we're ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly, stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, As below, so above. As above, so below. Well, howdy-do, and now we'll get to the punchline. We have Rick Levine. And Rick has a big bio that really does substantiate everything that he's done for for the community and for life generally. He's a world-renowned astrologer, scholar, author, and respected voice in the global astrology community 
with professional talks, seminars around the world, and that special gift bridging the gaps between astrology and spirituality, science and religion, no minor feat, the head and the heart. And for 20 years, millions of readers around the world are acquainted with the relevance of astrology through Rick's authentic daily horoscopes. They appear on Yahoo, AOL, Huffington Post, LA Times, Tarot.com, which has a long legacy. So tens of thousands seriously listen. Rick Levine is a founding trustee of Kepler College, an astrology-based college, co-founder with Jeff Jower, his long partner who passed in 2016, of StarIQ.com, and co-author of eight editions of Barnes Noble Annual Your Astrology Guide. And I have this CD, DVD, Quantum Astrology. It's good. Recently, 2018, Rick was awarded the title, the International Astrologer of the Year at the Krishnamurti Institute of Astrology's 28th International Astrology Conference in Kolkata, India. And the following year, 2019, awarded the Hot, that's a fixed star, folks, award for astrological excellence in Istanbul, Turkey. Astrology goes around the world. In 2022, he was awarded the favorite social media content creator and favorite astrology YouTube channel by ESAR. That's the International Society for Astrological Research. And I, okay, I was suspecting that you really helped form that too. Rick Levine's articles, poems, graced pages, many magazines, websites, including the Mountain Astrologer, and as he says, he, or as it's regarded, a true modern-day wizard, a net junkie, lover of fine wine, rumored to have initiated his astrological speak-su, the studies by Pythagoras himself. So welcome, and I'm glad you managed to listen as I expounded, because it is um, wonderful to have you. I know I've enjoyed so many of your talks and sharing inspired consciousness. So we will continue. Well, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Granted, indeed. So Laura, Dr. Tad, and Rick, Rick Levine, and myself, we're going to pursue in less than an hour a large facet of energies because we're starting off with that apparent time of retrograde motion with two planets, the thinking one of Hermes, Mercury, and the action planet Mars, which really is a big spokesman now with the big heavyweight Jupiter in Aries. And soon in the summer, I'm kind of jumping to the punchlines here, in the summer, the nodes, the lunar nodes, which is a whole other cycle that is collective consciousness, for 18 months, will be in Aries. So Mar, uh, uh, it's center stage. I kind of lost myself there. But, the, oh, that's right. We're rethinking things, yes, as we begin things. So. Well, and I, I don't know. think we can, you know, the fact that Mars is retrograde in Gemini, and Gemini is so associated with Mercury, then both these retrograde planets, right, have even if they're not in mathematical aspect to each other mm. tightly dirt, you know, at any dirt at during the whole of their cycle, they still have this interrelationship just by, by archetype. 
right? So in both, it's sort of two different manifestations of of that mercurial energy with Mars being in Gemini. That's showing it's up. kind of like the um, spark plug and a little bit of uh, battery juice with the air happening. Yeah. Well, I think as we look ahead to 2023 as 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 a entirety as a whole it's interesting to me that i really think that we have to be careful about making judgments of the whole year because often we get to judge a, a whole by its beginning you know we we judge humans by their natal chart which is their beginning and it's an astrological technique to look at the birth moment, whether it's of a human or of a year, to get a sense of the year. But I think that in 2023, that doesn't work. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't work because um, it's like we get off to a false a, a false start, a, 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 a sense that things are not moving as quickly as they should move because of exactly what Laura just spoke of, what both of you spoke about, and that is with Mars having been retrograde since the um, end of, uh, of October and nearing the end of its retrograde and Mercury at the beginning of its retrograde, we begin the first couple of weeks of the year with, with all of the outer planets, except for Uranus, um, going direct. Uranus turns direct later in the month. But everything, there's this feeling that of hope and of moving forward mm. and of excitement. And this is a year that's different. And yet in our personal lives, we're still stuck <laughs> where we are not individually moving ahead as fast or as far, or maybe even at all, even though it feels like we should be. And that can be frustrating. It is these cycles as they're beginning to close there's so many threads. I was thinking it's a lot like a rug. You know, you think of those flying carpets in India. Well, I don't know if they have flying carpets in India, but in the stories of Aladdin, right? The flying Persia. carpet. Persia. Persia. Thank you. Thank you. And there's threads that are hanging out there, tassels. Well, life has, you know, we have loose threads. Today, just preparing it was like, okay, I think I'll just add a little tassels to my rug because it weaving them together there is this process of ending because heading forward, I think this relates, heading forward, there's some major shifts. You've brought up, Rick, very astutely, just the fact that Saturn, our planet that we consider to be grounded, has been in one of its own signs for five years. That's today, on today's measure, pre-COVID, anything pre-COVID is pretty monumental. But now we're heading into uh, subterranean energies in water as it goes into Pisces. And we're feeling that start and the whole idea that it's perhaps revealing. It's not really changing Saturn, but it's revealing something that we need to include. So you're right. Getting started we're using what we know as habits, but well, technically the the year began today, but actually the year doesn't begin until a few things happen, until Mercury moves out of its shadow, until um, Mars moves out of his shadow, which is not till the end of March and on into Cancer, 
until Saturn moves into Pisces and until um, Pluto moves into Aquarius. This is all March. And so, and so in a way, the new year really is more oriented toward the true new year, which begins at, at the spring equinox, the vernal equinox. And I think that the first few months of 2023 are really like getting ready for 2023. And whatever judgments we make about what's going to happen is not going to be viable until it begins to happen in March, March and April. That's yeah. that's my hit. No, Anyhow, what do you think, Laura? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I've been seeing. It's like there's so much that shifts in March and, and in late March, right? So the early mm-hmm. degrees of Aries, even if the planet, you know, the planets that are shifting aren't going into Aries, it's all shifting at the astrological new year, as you were mentioning. And that, and we can feel some of that beforehand. I mean, personally, outer planet transits at a personal level, right, yeah. tend to announce themselves and that the exact is not even necessarily the release point as much as the lead in. So we're, it's in this, we're in this gestation period, this percolating period. And then late March, mid March, all of this stuff, it's like a switch gets flipped with all of these planets, either getting out of the shadow or changing signs. And even though Pluto just barely dips a toe into Aquarius, Mm -hmm. Right, being it doesn't even get a full degree into Aquarius before it goes retrograde, but we're still going to see that and and experience that shift. And I think we're hearing, we're seeing that show up with just in the last few months the huge, at least, discussion of AI that's going on. The AI is being having been developed for a decade, but all of a sudden, it's all over the news. Right. And I do think that that's part of this shift of Pluto into Aquarius is governed with it governing technology. How is technology going to transform our lives, the world, and that's starting to show up? To me, it it makes great sense because it's not the first time in the era of civilization, which we are now in, and and even previous, I think, to civilization, of course, where we look forward and backward at the same time. You know, as we know in Janus, the god of Rome had the two faces, forward, backward. There's the three. Anyway, so just as a quick uh, follow through on that thought, because what we're saying is, okay, what I'm thinking is people want to think, oh, it's going to be something familiar. But what's asking of us is a new sense of familiarity. And it is really looking, I think of cooking, we all cook. And sometimes you just throw together the kitchen sink, as they say, like, what did you make? Oh, the kitchen sink. In other words, I guess that's because you wash everything in the kitchen sink and then throw it in the pot or whatever. And it depends what's in the fridge and in the shelves and all that stuff. But that's life these days. It's really a matter of, I know I'm finding this. I'm releasing my hold onto, well, it ought to be this way and this is how I've done it. And therefore, it's like, nope, stop what's right now in front of me. And I think that might be part of this Saturn shifting into Pisces, right? Pisces dissolves Mm. as an archetype. And so the dissolving of Saturn, the old, the old structure, the right. It's like, what do we have? What, what is going to dissolve the old things that are going to dissolve that ultimately 
Then in two and a half years, when it gets into Aries, then there's the birth and the new that comes about. And so what do we have to let go of that we've still in the midst of these last couple of years and the decade of Pluto and Capricorn that we haven't let go of um, and that needs to still, you know, fall away or, or be transformed into another element almost. Right. I was talking with my goddaughter about the difference of like gases versus solids versus liquid, right? It's like, so mm -hmm. what even elementally is going to that transformation, mm -hmm. that alchemical shift that we have to have individually, personally, and then at a collective level, what is transforming? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, where the past often is helpful to inform, it's like from an archetypal, okay, what was happening, looking at, okay, the last time Pluto was in Aquarius, you know, we talk about, oh, the U.S. Pluto return being the Declaration of Independence, but most mm -hmm. of the Revolutionary War was it in Aquarius. Um, and it, and the end of the Revolutionary War was it, with it in Aquarius. Um, and so looking to that to understand, okay, what's being transformed now? Or what, what or with Saturn shifting into Pisces, what's the structure that's being dissolved and looking for, for our own, for ourselves, what was happening 28 years ago for yourself, for people listening, you know, so you understand, obviously it's different, but it's like the peeling of the onion, another layer of your relationship with authority that you were navigating, you know, in the mid, in the early nineties, are you walking or experiencing now? Or that may show up in this next year, you're, I think Venus is a bit of a harbinger in this story because mm -hmm. Venus um, moves into Aquarius. It, 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 it moves from Capricorn into Aquarius uh, tomorrow on January 2nd. Mm -hmm. And then it whizzes through Aquarius. And by the end of the month, it's in Pisces. Ooh. And so we have this motion mm -hmm. of Capricorn to Aquarius to Pisces which is kind of the larger theme of March where Pluto is going from Capricorn to Aquarius and, and Saturn is going from Aquarius to Pisces. And so we're getting this little fractal mini play on this larger scenario. But, you know, you talk about the Aquarius and by the way, Pluto was an Aquarius to the French revolution also. Um, but the what people have this people of our culture mostly of our generations give or take a couple around us have this idealistic view of aquarius maybe mm. tied to the age of aquarius or the musical hair um you know um uh the dawning of the age of aquarius and 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 i think it's really important uh, to acknowledge what you were saying, Laura, about um, artificial intelligence, although for about 30 years when someone has asked, you know, what about artificial intelligence, my smart-ass answer is it all is. Um, but um, <laughs> the, which it may be, we don't know this. Um, but the thing that that this kind of, magical beautiful everything's going to be equality and 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 all these kind of 
technological wonderlandish things that we have when we think ahead of Pluto and Aquarius, I have one word that kind of brings people back into their sense of reality when you're talking about Pluto and Aquarius or the age of Aquarius or a deep cultural Aquarian shift. And that word will have more meaning or meaning for anyone who's a Star Trek fan, but the word is Borg. Mm-hmm. You know, and in Star oh. Trek, for those who don't know, Borg was a an insectoid creature society that had no individuality. You know, when you think of the equality of an insect, um, uh, like a termite or ant colony, there's no individuality. And in Star Trek, um, uh, if if you ask a Borg creature, who are you? Their answer is, we are Borg. <laughs> and we shall assimilate you. You know, you cannot resist. And this idea of Aquarius as this uniformity of, of consciousness where we lose individuality is part of the dark side or the shadow side of Aquarius and, and Uranus for that matter, because Uranus is screaming individuality, individuality, and at the same time, it wants to be part of the collective. It is a paradox. It really is a paradox. I was just thinking of a couple of things here. If I can, one is like, I thought you were going to say, wake up rather than Borg, but still, yeah, Borg. Okay. I was, yeah, thank you. So, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the prisoner, Uh, shadow side, shadow side, light side, light side, and just the whole zodiac, those thoughts I'm pulling together because thinking that Aquarius comes right after Capricorn and there is a good structure and there's a format and it makes sense and it's working and there's a root, you know, system of hierarchy, all this good stuff that we think of as established for Capricorn. There's also this restriction can be like limiting, like, ah, I really want to like want to explore, want to go somewhere and dream, dream, dream. Oh, and I'm free liberation. I'm going to do blah, blah, blah. And meaning that it's fantasy in a sense because it's ungrounded. It hasn't been experienced. It's imagined this liberation. So yes, I think there is attached to um, the entry of Aquarius so much um, illusion and interestingly Pisces is right after that so it's amazing how you know in every sign course connects the others two sides but I am thinking that with Saturn and I like the whole idea of Venus being our harbinger or guide heading us forward with values or thoughts but in Pisces because Neptune's always been there when I say always you know it's a 14 year cycle and it's been it's going to stay there i think till 2026 and so we're not finished yet and it's the unknown the unknown is more of a breakdown for capricorn or even aquarius i think than this liberation so you're absolutely right on and i'm just kind of yeah i think it's interesting though with aquarius because i that group think that can be that vulnerability, right? That's that Borg mentality is group think. And um, 
that within that, that really, at least from a Jungian perspective, shadow is not necessarily negative. It's not necessarily the dark. It's what we don't want to look at. It's what we don't want to own. And that can be negative or positive. There's no value with shadow. There's golden shadow. And that's not owning our greatness and projecting that on, out into the world or onto somebody else. And so I think with this shift that, you know, with shadow work or when you're work, it's like, so what do you need to own individually so that you can have that, the beauty of Aquarius, which could be that uniqueness within the collective, right? That how, mm. what do you bring to the tribe, right? That Aquarian energy that is fundamental and necessary for the tribe to function and yet unique to you because you're bringing that to the tribe. And that'll be, I think, some of the big work that we're all headed into um, we get it again, like we sort of dip our toe this year. Um, and so whether we're looking at in our own little small pods of friends or colleagues or at a global level, you know, how are we contributing? What do we have to offer the world to offer society that is uniquely ours and the society benefits and it is necessary for the society to thrive? And, you know, I think... The, in some ways that the gift of this Venus sort of foreshadowing, foretelling us what's coming up, right? Is that we're being led potentially with values, right? What do, we're not being led by Mars, we're being led by Venus. So what's most important to us? And, yeah, and I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with that, but I would suggest that that is only 2023. Yes. <laughs> That that it, what's the saying is the you know the other the other shoe will will fall or the other shoe will drop, yeah. you know that that there's more to follow and and along with what you're saying, Laura, I think it's interesting that as long as we're leaning on Venus a bit here, it's interesting that Venus does its retrograde um, uh, mm -hmm. July twenty second through September third in holy in the sign of leo and so in a way what it's reminding us to do perhaps again as a bit of a um a reaction formation to use a good psychological term um a reaction formation against our fear of being absorbed by borg where our values venus are about personal expression and i think that that's a natural and healthy and human human as we know human thing to do but then again we could dip our toe into aquarius talking about uh transhumanism or posthumanism realizing that when nietzsche said that man was not the final uh man or humanity was not the final result of of, of evolution that man is simply a bridge between what was and and a species that will be called it the Superman or Supermensch, which was largely misinterpreted by the Reich. Mm -hmm. um, however, the idea that there is a huge movement right now that is largely under the umbrella of posthumanism that is, for some people, um, not only extremely frightening, but frightening enough to go to war to prevent. Well, You know, and this is part of... You know, I mean, it, it's hard to talk about that 
without talking as long as we're in psychological land about, you know, <laughs> about infantile regression. And mm-hmm. that is when, 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 when things get bad in our mind, oh. we go back to, you know, sucking at the breast or days when things were nice and taken care and taken care of. And unfortunately we often go back to times in our lives when things were better, but they really weren't. It's just our memory of them are better. Yeah. And so when this, when the, when the pressure for change occurs, you know, we, we often um, pull back and go to yeah. some other place, make America great again, you know, as yeah. if it I, ever was this image that we have. A key, I'm just pulling out, I was thinking of the word accountable because it's like not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, that old adage of like- You know, leaving. that comes from Johannes Kepler. He was the first oh. person who wrote that. He actually wrote in his book, Tertium Inter Venice, which was the third man in the middle, kind of caught between ancient superstition of astrology and what astrology might be. He cautioned people that when they were looking at the blasphemies contained within the ancient superstitions of astrology, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes. So thank you. for This excellent take. I like it. And therefore, meaning that if we're going to this Aquarian group mentality, which has its networking focus of of value, I mean, it has it. it, It's good. And the shadow parts looking because you're right. It's both shadow, all kinds of shadow. If we didn't have shadow, I always remember we couldn't see anything because artwork is based on the gradations of, of shadow and, and, and that. But here I'm, I'm just saying yes, if not to be infantile and, and this bridge and it's, it's really being accountable to ourself, to accountable, yeah. Well, and maybe that's part of, you know, that we're not done with Capricorn, at least when it comes to no. Pluto, right? No, we can't throw it out. <laughs> Just kind of revise a little bit, but because it's a bigger story, I think what we've seen as Capricorn isn't the whole picture. I really like how astrologers and perhaps both of you have shared over the last couple of years that Capricorn involves that spiritual essence in order to come up with a goal, to come up with a structure. It 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 came through the thought process, the feeling process, you know, the polarity of of Cancer. You could say it's it's not just a a product that was abracadabra. It's it's this bigger picture. And then I think of the sea goat, which of course has all its legends, and I could divert divert into that because there's prickacus or it's fascinating. I think we're at that illustrious time where I need to say thank you and we will return with Rick Levine and Dr. Tad with Planet Buzz January 1st, 2023 for Dynamic Thresholds. We'll be back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Capricorn, ruled by Saturn, the furthest visible planet by the eye. By leaving a cycle based on meaningfulness and truth, Capricorn's energy establishes social boundaries 
in a structure incorporating rules, authority, and ethics. As a cardinal earth sign depicted by a sea goat climbing from the sea up to the top of a mountain, Capricorn overcomes fears through goals and ambitions to achieve mastery. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Natasha Venter at angelicclarifications.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's best, neuroenergetic balancing, Rasmussen reset, and energy code Sunday on Animal World. Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Linda Rasmussen join me in the studio, and together they can help you or your animal friends with behavioral, emotional, or physical problems. Call in for your free remote treatment. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here at Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha, and enjoy the show. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Here we are, and at the half hour... We're going to return, but I'm going to ask both Rick and Laura, what's coming up for you on your schedule? We'll start with Rick. Rick, what have you on your calendar for us to know? You got an hour? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll extend. Um, Well, I think the, the most intriguing things that are on my calendar right now are um, I'm going to be uh, speaking at the Portuguese uh, Astrology Association uh, annual conference, while it hasn't been held for a few years, um, in the Azores at the end of March. And then the end of April, April, I'll be down in Tulum for a um, for a week-long conference that looks like it's going to be a lot of uh, fun. Um, and then over the summer, I'll be at the Omega Institute, which is in Rhinebeck, New York, um, a grand old facility that kind of has hosted the Consciousness A-Team for decades. And I'm excited to return there and I'll be uh, doing a weekend, the actually July 4th weekend. It's actually June 30th, July 1st, 2nd. Um, and I'll be doing that with Lynn Bell, Maurice Fernandez, mm-hmm. Anne Ordley, and Rachel Lang. And that'll be about the astrology of the great shift. And I'll be back at Omega again in October with Rachel Lang doing a weekend uh, workshop on uh, Venus. Um, that'll both be experiential and intellectual. And um, and then my year is going to culminate with a 10-day retreat in Goa, India, at an Ayurvedic um, healing center that's in the south part of Goa, right up from the beach. And it's a place that I've taught at before, and it's going to be a very, very magical 10 days. And I didn't give details on any of these things, and there are others, but basically the way to stay track, 
you know, keep track of what I'm doing um, is to follow me and my monthly, free monthly YouTube forecast um, can be found on YouTube, uh, um, YouTube uh, Rick Levine Astrologer or just Rick Levine Astrology. Either one will get you to my YouTube channel. Um, and each month I will go in further depth with links to find out more about these and other events. One other thing I should mention just before I return the mic um, is that for years, um, my now deceased astrology buddy partner, Jeff Jower, and I um, did a monthly event at Soul Food Coffee House, a coffee house here in Redmond, Washington, where I live. And we've reinstated that. Um, and that is the first Friday of every month. So if you live in the Seattle area or anywhere in the Northwest for that matter, come on down on a Friday night, the first Friday night of each month. Um, this month, meaning January of 2023, uh, the first Friday night is January 6th. The first Friday night of February will be um, February 3rd, I think. And um, it's basically a look at the month ahead and questions and answers. And it's, they call it Astrology Night. It's a fun event. And, and I'm excited that we've reinitiated that. So thank you for this opportunity to be on the show with you, um, Sue, and for sharing some of the upcoming things. Absolutely. And I really valued those wonderful events. So I'm glad COVID's over and um, Soul Food Cafe is back in track. It's a great back venue. Track. Yeah, that's very cool. And India just sounds like astonishing. And are you doing, before we go to Laura, are you doing Brighton Bush? Um, I, Brighton, as, as, as many people might know, first of all, Brighton Bush is one of the most magical places on the planet. I've taught in some really cool places, but Brighton Bush in central Oregon in the old midst of an old growth forest, um, healing hot tubs and just uh, um, off the grid completely, no phones, no internet. Um, I've done two workshops there a year, a winter and a summer, uh, one for years and years and years. They closed because they were burnt by the fire. Um, oh, and that's... um and they lost mm, uh, all, right. all 40 of their cabins. Oh. They're now, they've rebuilt quite a bit. Um, I'm not rescheduled, but um, sometime in the near future that will happen. I don't know when okay. I'll be back there, but I certainly yeah. will. And that'll be also, you know, the, again, the best place to find out all the stuff is on my uh, YouTube channel. And um, I have a slide coming up that'll help people get focused a little bit. So thank you. That's that's great. I'm looking. It's great to look. Brighton Bush to is it. an amazing place, though. Even if you don't go there for astrology, you want to get away. You know, go there for a few days. Oh, absolutely. Just south and east of of Portland. And you have to, it's in a forest. About two hours southeast of Portland. Yeah. Laura, Doctor Tad, what brings you to this world coming up? <laughs> oh um, well, so the only event other you know, I mean, like you know. I'm constantly seeing clients, but the one workshop or retreat I have coming up, um, I'm co-leading, co-coordinating with uh, three other women in Nicaragua, in uh, Playa del Coco in Nicaragua. From uh, It'll be a retreat just for women. This particular one is 
uh, Goddess Awakening Retreat, and it'll be February 26th through March 4th. Um, I'll be the one astrologer there, but there'll also be uh, yoga every morning and some time massage and various different ceremony and ritual um, journey work to get in touch with your inner well-being as well as you know unpack some stories that we carry and um, find some of bringing in some of the personal myth work that I do um, on that retreat and also talking about ways of working with lunar cycles will be some of what I'll be bringing in for that. It's about five day retreat. Um, and the woman who's leading it, uh, Michelle Fleming, I've known since I was 19. She's a fabulous body worker and yoga teacher. So it should be a great experience. And you can find out more about it on my website. I've got a link to her site where all of the details are to register and learn more about the where it's held in Nicaragua. It's right on the border of Costa Rica. So it's actually usually easier to fly into Costa Rica and cross the border. Um, and it's abuts a uh, turtle sanctuary. So depending mm -hmm. on the time of year, you might get to see baby turtles run into the sea. Yeah, I love turtles. And you're also just briefly speaking, always teaching your myth class. The personal myth class is, always, okay. is ongoing and self-paced. All right, yeah. very good. And myself, I am actually presenting an hour, I think it's 90 minute lecture with OPA, which is Organization for Professional Astrology on July 23rd about the USA Venus star point return in 2026, which will be at zero degrees Scorpio. And the relationships that built us and the relationships that continue to build us. It's a lot. It's exciting and it'll be fun. So thank you, everybody. And we will get back to our wonderful panel here. And Nathan, can I have the slides up, please? Okay. As again, this is Dynamic Thresholds with Rick and Laura. And here, if, if you are, because not everybody is doing the YouTube, but for those that are, and also if you go to Talk Cosmos, I'll have these up too, which is always associated with the guests. But Rick has his StarIQ.com, which he's had many years, and the Patreon and his YouTube, which has all kinds of wonderful uh, monthly events and good things. And Laura's site, Mythic Sky, will be that site to find all of her educational uh, pursuits and retreat and myself at talkcosmos.com. Okay, so uh, I think what I want to ask you both, because we don't have a whole lot of time, but we have enough time to think about it, is a couple of questions that came up on a previous um, um, panel that I did with about the Pluto uh, return, which, as we know, is hardly over over because we're going to be hitting that spot numerous times. And as you say, the whole, it's a process. Everything's a process. But the question is what binds us as we redefine social, social structure, thinking that, yes, we have this person head versus AI, artificial intelligence. And it's, there's a mosaic happening in life. And also that freedom looks so different as a nation, we're young, 
perhaps that's part of it because what was freedom now maybe as an older nation looks a little different as to our ideology, but whatever might be, um, if any of that kind of connects into some thoughts here, and I do have, that was a lot of questions tied in, but we have, okay, we're in this 12th cycle, and that's today, we don't need that. This is the Saturn, we have these charts if we want to speak of it, but I don't think so, right? We have the Saturn at zero degrees and Pluto at zero degrees Aquarius, and I just lost them. So maybe the questions are greater than the charts. <laughs> what binds us might, do you think, as we work through these channels? Because I will add another factor, and I know, Rick, you've brought this up, and when I first listened to you and Jeff, it was 2015, and for three years since 2012, it was seven times. I remember that coming through. That was a huge number that the two titans, Uranus and I don't think Pluto's a titan, come to think of it. But at any rate, um, we're clashing in this square and they're going to be conjunct. We're in this big cycle of renovating deep change <clears throat> to some authentic reality, I suppose. But, okay, threading this is probably takes me as much time to ask you. You said they're going to be conjunct. I, I didn't understand that. Oh, oh, uh, pardon me. And I thank you. In the 60s, 65 and 66, they were conjunct. Yes. Then fast forward 50 years, which was 12 to 15 of this decade, they were um, square, 90 degree, trying to figure out the new path. And now really they don't have they just left a bit of a square but they're not really an aspect but J jupiter is the one i noticed that's really working either as jupiter's in aries and taurus especially taurus taurus is going to square pluto in jupiter and then it's going to conjunct with uranus so both of those two planets that that eventually are going to trine in some collective awakening of 26 to 28. I'm talking 2026 20, to 28. But now it's almost like Jupiter, whether it's the king of gods or whether it's our big belief. Well, or whether back, back, back to the Uranus-Pluto just for a second. Um, I, there's two things I wanted to say, I want to say about that. One is as that square widens into a trine it's going through right now a stage where uranus and pluto are biceptile at about 101 degrees and um and so this brings up kind of energy that is um occultish um if that's a word um stuff that is not as apparent as it might be when they are are squaring but there's still an aspect going on um, and although some people might call a biceptile a minor aspect, um, mm -hmm. as you know, it is actually in my world a harmonic aspect. Oh, and one thing I didn't mention is that in uh, February I'll be doing a five week course on harmonic aspects through the astrology oh. hub, and there's a wait list for that, um, uh, already, and that's astrologyhub.com, um, slash foundations three waitlist foundations number three waitlist um, 
sorry I didn't mention that before. But but the other thing is that that is really intriguing is that we, you so correctly mentioned the Uranus Pluto conjunction of the mid 60s it was exact 65 66 and and as we know that's like a new moon that's the beginning of a large you know century and a half or or more um cycle um and then as you also correctly noted the exact seven squares between uranus and pluto between 2012 and 2015 however um what we normally don't think about is how it takes Saturn to bring these transpersonal energies into the physical dimension. And, and we know what happened when Saturn conjuncted, conjoined Pluto in, in uh, you know, January of 2020. In yeah. fact, within 24 hours of the exact conjunction was the first announced formal uh, COVID death and the announcement of the COVID genome that was th- that was tied to the Saturn uh, Pluto conjunction. However, we don't think about the fact that that the Uranus Pluto square was in a way waiting for Saturn to move through the square by conjoining Pluto and squaring Uranus, even though Uranus has moved farther away and we've thought about all through 2021 and 22, this dance between the old and the new, between Saturn and Uranus, Saturn, the conservative, Mm -hmm. Uranus, the progressive, but without really understanding that this was a completion of the square. Even though Uranus had moved on, that we're looking at Saturn as being the catalytic converter (laughs) of metaphysical into physical. And so we're coming out of this right now. And in a way, this biceptile phase is really a chance to integrate, which is really where we're at now, um, to integrate these extraordinary changes that have occurred through this whole square period and Saturn moving through it. And, And in a way, that sets the stage for Jupiter which always annoys me because as someone with four planets in Aries and the North Node in Aries, Jupiter's cycle is that it rarely retrogrades in Aries and it runs through Aries like rampantly. And, you know, and as we know, Jupiter, you know, just re-entered Aries after having dipped its toes into it. And, you know, and um, it's, you know, in and out of Aries, um, in in a heartbeat. I mean, it's it, it just it all happens so fast. It's it's um, it's it's frightening, you know. So, but Jupiter's but Jupiter's aspects, I think, are um, are are very very important. In it, indeed, Laura, did you have a thought? No, or, no, okay. I'm having weird Mercury retrograde things going on. So oh, having exactly. Open up on themselves on my computer. <laughs> it's like back to the present, huh? Okay. Oh, how exciting is that? <laughs> iTunes no. is open six times without me touching anything. Oh, so, yeah. wow. Well, ET or some. Well, you, I mean, the, 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 this is that as we're talking about the extraordinary changes of 2023, a lot of them have to do with the extreme outer planet uh, changing right. of signs. And we've already talked about um, March 
when Saturn moves into uh, uh, Pisces and when Pluto moves into Aquarius. But then in May, uh, Jupiter, which has just moved into Aries, Mm -hmm. in five months screams through Aries and moves into Taurus. Um, And so uh, May 16th, it moves into Taurus. Um, and then when it goes retrograde in September, it only goes back to five degrees of Taurus. So in, in, in effect, we're getting this this dramatic change from, you know, from Jupiter um, that we don't normally see so much Jupiter change um, so fast. And by the way, as we're talking about outer planet changes, we might also mention that in May, the month that Jupiter moves from Aries into Taurus, uh, um, we also have in May, a Pluto makes its retrograde station and it retrogrades back into Capricorn by the middle of June. That's very true. It, 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 the, oh boy, where to begin? Well, it's true about, but Jupiter, Jupiter has to know what it's doing because <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. I hope any of the planets know what they're doing. <laughs> that's it. That's it. They really do. We're we're the they're scouting it out. I'm not convinced, but good. <laughs> well, they do have a heyday up there. So I'm talking to. Okay, back grounded, grounded. Um, J- Jupiter, nonetheless, is toggling like uh, bridging a lot of energies and it, it i'm fascinated i'm glad you brought up that idea that there's septile uh, biceptile which is uh um two sevenths of a circle it's about a hundred yeah vibrational energy which i'm going to start pursuing and we do have a panel now that's a quarter you know everything is vibrational you've given a lot of speeches about that it's like they all ring they have it's mathematical everything has a vibration like a string so the point is is that i think sometimes these pre the the pre-verbal aries and taurus are very closely aligned granted aries is that instinctive push and taurus is okay i'm holding ground but it's a lot of instinctive work too to just get go against gravity to to establish something well, and I always think of Taurus in response, right? Like each sign is in response to the previous that Taurus is pulling the emergency brake on Aries, right? Is sort of how that meant. But it governs in terms of the preview, it governs our sensory experience. All of the senses is Taurian. Yeah. And so an uptick in that is Taurus of, of you know, the physical world. That's right. And, and how and we interact. I'll jump in. It really gets down to this whole transmutation of bringing this spirit into our body. Because as an air person, I like jumping around and bouncing off the, the soap bubbles. But really, it's a matter of integrating to be that whole self. And, you know, it's a bit of a work to bring that embodiment into soul. But we can do it and we are doing it. And I thank you both so very much. (laughs) 2023 is a wait and see we'll pursue. And uh, this is Top Cosmos Dynamic Thresholds with Rick Levine and Dr. Laura Tad and myself. Thank you so much and Happy New Year, everybody. 
Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.